God has really blessed me. You know, he let me work in D.C., let me work with EIB and Hollywood and Silicon Valley. And he's shown me through all those experiences that there is one problem and one solution, and that's why we do this show. Welcome to A Disciple's View with Todd Herman. When the God of the universe created our world, his world, we get to live in it. He didn't snap his fingers or wink his eye. God spoke words. He said, let there be light. And because we believe we speak about the happenings in this world, mindful that our true home is with Jesus Christ, our Savior in his kingdom. Welcome to a disciple's view. Will you join me in just a brief, meditative, very brief prayer? That would be that the Holy Spirit will allow us in this segment to do our human best, empowered by him, which surpasses even our very best, if you best, to speak truth. And we always try to do that, but particularly in this segment. And let me begin with that prayer to the Holy Spirit. Father God, please, please give us a triple helping, triple endowment of the Holy Spirit that we speak truth. Father God, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the indwelling of the kingdom of heaven within us, those of us who have accepted the Lord Jesus, agreed that he is our Savior, agreed to be changed by him and to be on mission with him and to abide with him and to stay connected to the vine. And help us see lies, small and large, and help us speak anecdotes of truth, your truth, into them and into the hearts and minds of people who have been taken in by these lies. Thank you, Father. We ask this in the name of your blessed Son, Jesus Christ. Why am I arming ourselves that way? Or at least myself, perhaps you don't need it. It's because of the topic matter we're going to discuss, and because I'm going to use a very, very blunt metaphor. Uh, When I worked in Washington, D.C., I used to tell young staff members, because we'd have them come in from all around the country, because they wanted to work in politics, most of them to save the country, a few of them to get rich. We would try to screen out the ones who were there to get rich. But D.C. is seductive because the money is easy. And I would tell people, young people, this, and this is, this is a blunt metaphor. Remember this. The first trick you turn is the hardest. But after a while, you just get in the car and you let the John drive. Yeah, it's a prostitution metaphor. It's rough language. Satan doesn't care how he gets us separated from God. He doesn't care. He has a limited toolkit. He can distract, distort, depress. He has specific techniques he uses, sex and money, power, avarice, greed, hatred, rage, He has a whole series of little tricks he can pull and big tricks. When people by degree say, tell a lie and they get away with it and they get an endorphin rush and dopamine rush and a power rush and hey, I got away with it. The devil steps in to say, look how smart you are. And after all, it's not that bad. You're not worse than them. You're not worse than that guy. And so the lies multiply. And sometimes the lies are so, 
so fired so quickly that it almost goes past us. If you heard the AFR top of the hour news, you heard, of course, that President Trump is being brought up on trial or in trial this time for business fraud because they've contended that the president lied about his wealth. So let's think about this. A judge and a jury know more about the value of real estate than Goldman Sachs. No. No, they don't. President Trump paid back his loans through Mar-a-Lago. The Goldman Sachs people, they know money. In fact, I might say, and I can't say this across the board because there's individuals who work there who may well know the Lord. I would say that at the top, they serve money. That's what they serve. I know there's people in there who know the Lord. I don't know how they do it. They keep their soul, but some people are capable of doing that because with God, all things are possible. So we speak truth. Let's speak some truth that Gavin Newsom, he's, 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 he's not a governor. He's a dictator. He showed that throughout the COVID response. He is also, speaking blunt truth, he's a racist and a sexist, or is he? I, I think he's just a cold opportunist who serves power. One of those tools that Satan has is sex and power. Gavin Newsom is accused of sleeping with his campaign manager's wife during the campaign. That, that's sure to create a wedge between you and God if, if Gavin Newsom's ever known the Lord. Oh, no. I did it again. I dug a hole. Now I have to pray for Gavin Newsom. And if you, in your heart, mean what you say about the faith, then we all have to pray for Gavin Newsom. That's hard, particularly to do it sincerely. I mean, to mouth the words, well, that makes us hypocrites. So maybe you'll join me in another little prayer. Father God, where we are unable to love the soul of Gavin Newsom, not the flesh, and we're unable to sincerely pray that he would no longer be a spiritual captive, please help the Holy Spirit, Lord. Please work with the Holy Spirit to change us that we can sincerely pray for that soul called Gavin Newsom. Because you tell us that we are to love our enemies and in fact to pray for the spiritual captives. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. He is either a racist and a sexist or a cold opportunist But there's this, I think observationally we can say that Gavin Newsom has no relationship to truth at all. Gavin Newsom has has said that he's going to replace uh, as one of the the senators in California, Dianne Feinstein, who has died and has received, well, we'll say that later. A woman named LaFonza Butler is going to now be a senator from California, which means she'll have to move. Her most recent filing of federal paperwork, her FEC filing 31 days ago, lists Maryland as her residence. (laughs) But she gets to be a senator, quote, from California. Well, that makes sense because we just heard at the top of the hour news 
Kevin McCarthy referred to as a congressman from California. Well, he has a place there. He visits. It's not from there. Not anymore. He's from D.C. Now, this woman, LaFonza Butler, is also black. And Gavin Newsom is a racist. He said he would nominate a black woman. Oh, she's also same-sex attracted and a trusted advisor to Vice President Cammie Harris, who is, well, let me take that back. I was going to say not black, but then again, she changed her racial identity some time ago. No, she, no, no for many years, she'd been an Eastern Indian, but then she changed and now she's black. <laughs> when we speak truth, when we make an effort to take our world and to speak truth about it and around it, how quickly can we get confused? Well, if we stay grounded in the spirit, we're not confused. The chaos that's being inserted into our world. Now, who would want that? God is a God of order. You can see it in night being separate from day, waters being separated from the land. You can see it in our non-circular elliptical orbit. You can see it in the arrangement of the Earth to the universe. We are the only planet with a direct, unobstructed view of the Milky Way. We are the only planet from which you could observe the entire universe through the Milky Way. Everything else is obstructed, but not ours. God is a God of order. He's also not a God of racism. There are efforts, of course, to make God appear racist. One of the ways that they do this, so this is very, very popular uh, in religious left circles, particularly the sexual left circle. The sexual left, what does that mean? It means people who operate in politics with the sole purpose of sexualizing others and of normalizing behaviors outside of God's design for human sexual interaction and particularly concentrated on kids. And there is no limit, absolutely no limit to their desire to distort things. None. Well, because when nothing is forbidden, all things are allowed. So they take this story of the Syrophoenician woman and they twist it. And the Syrophoenician woman, of course, Jesus was talking with her about salvation, and she referenced scraps from the table and don't even the dogs. And you know the, you know the scripture, right? Don't even the dogs get. And it's construed that Jesus changed his mind. Yes, okay, you can have the salvation. But did Jesus change his mind, or was he doing what he did so often, which was asking for a decision, asking for a commitment, asking for an act of faith, asking for an expression of faith, as he did so often, just even the man at the pool, do you want to be cured? And asking for a profession of faith, a profession of request. God didn't change his mind. He helped change that woman's mind. In the world of the sexual left, they say that that passage gives them hope that one day God will say, you know what? I rethought homosexuality. You guys are right. I was wrong. But then that would ignore all of the physical effects 
of carrying out homosexual acts, particularly male to male over many, many years. And I will not go further than that other than to say it's not good medically at all. That's weird, isn't it? Violating God's physical loss leads to physical harm. So there's also attempts to make the Bible racist. We know this because there's references to slave and master and that uh, that, that slaves and, and, and servants should follow their master and that when you look at the way slave and master related at that time, what was Jesus really talking about? Well, in the case of masters and servants, he's really talking about employees. In the case of slaves, he so often refers through the Apostle Paul to himself as a slave to Christ. And on the topic of actual racism, how does God view this? Well, he created all of us. There was a time, Gentile and Jew, Jews were designed to be a priesthood to us, and yet so often they turn their back on the Lord, and we are grafted on. Us Gentiles are grafted onto the family through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not racism. There's tribalism. So when we go to the heart of the lie and the lies in this culture and so much of the confusion being injected into this culture, you can end up with stories like this. Do you remember this professor who threatened to hack up a New York Post reporter with a machete. She's been hired by another college. Yeah, the the New York Post reports that several Cooper Cooper Union students said it's crazy that their university has hired a professor who wants to chop up a reporter with her machete. I don't think such a person should be here, said one student when asked about Professor Shalene Rodriguez beginning her new job at the school located in New York's New York City's East Village. And that's that's exactly what she did. She threatened to chop a guy up. But 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 please understand this. She is oppressed because of the color of her skin. So on the topic of racism, how much more racism is being invented and what do we uncover when we start to look at a government that wants a larger supply of white supremacy, but is unable to find it, and so begins producing it. Plus, a pastor at a church in Atlanta contended to help solve racial ills. Did he do the right thing? We'll talk about it. This is a Disciples View. I'm Todd Herman. Man, I so appreciate you listening. Thank you. This is the Disciples View. I'm Todd Herman. Share Week is next week. My first time I've done Share Week. I got to confess, I'm a little nervous, but I am. I feel so honored uh, to be able to in, to participate in this. Uh, there is a time for networks like this. I mean, clearly this network has existed for a long time. Thank you to the vision that God gave the Wildman family for that. But man, this time is important. We're going to talk tomorrow about the many, many attempts to seize and to, con- and to destroy and stomp on the truth. Uh, do you know what they've done in Canada? Uh, I, I hope Canadians don't like podcasts 
that tell the truth. Well, we're going to talk about this tomorrow. And it's important to track, particularly what's being done uh, to the word of God. There are countries in which carrying a Bible will be a hate crime because the words in the Bible are considered a hate crime. This is affecting, well, it will affect so many. God's word cannot be wiped out. It cannot be voided. We know that. But tomorrow as well, we're going to talk with, uh, happens to be my pastor. We're going to interview a lot of pastors, not just mine. Um, But we're going to talk about young pastors who just lack biblical worldview. They don't know what it is. They also don't know what it is to make disciples. This network is so important at this time of them using digital and social to to try to just stomp on truth and to do something that's more nefarious than that. That is to divide us into information silos algorithmically which is another way to drive division in the world. And one of the prime ways that I think Satan is driving division in the world is that he is reinstalling racism. And in people's hearts, people have been driven to find it. You've read C.S. Lewis. Of course you've read the Screwtape Letters, right? Such a great description of how Satan operates in people and how he takes even good things and pushes human pride to make them bad things. The greatest example of that is in the Screwtape Letters, which is a conversation between a senior demon and a junior demon, Wormwood being the junior demon, writing to Uncle Screwtape. And Wormwood has been messing with and demonically oppressing uh, a couple, married couple. And the married couple decides to start attending church, and Wormwood is panicked, and he goes to Screwtape, and he says, I'm losing them. And Screwtape says, no, 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 Wormwood. When they go to church, help them feel very prideful. After all, they're well-dressed attendees. They're giving money to the church, not like those miscreant, poor, stinky people in the back pews. They're not like them. He takes their pride, plays with their pride. Likewise, I think that there are people who are either spiritually captured or they've just become so seeking of the approval of man, the approval of man, that they want to see white supremacist racism everywhere. Now, I am very blunt when I talk about white supremacist racism. I call, it, I call people who have been abused with that particular view basement-dwelling, thumb-sucking morons. Judgmental language. Discerning language. And I've tried instead to say captives. Spiritual captives. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemies. I've tried to modify my thinking because I don't want to wedge between me and God. The New York City, there was an arrest. New York Post has this. And it was an arrest of someone who was involved in, in well, sex trafficking girls, kids, boys and girls, and conning them into taking pictures and then threatening them and then using them in pornography And when he did this, and they went and they arrested this guy, obviously gang connected, just looking at the tattoos, um, they found that he was also part of a satanic cult. No, and and it's it's not kind of a satanic cult. They say, hey, we are a satanic cult. 
And in this arrest, they found out something else, though, that this cult has spread around the country. And in spreading around the country, of course, it's infecting the minds of other people, that it has very specific goals. Some of them are killings, etc. Oh, did I just cetera killings? Yeah, because at the heart of this is, hey, they caught the guy. It's fantastic. He's going to go to prison. Even better. They've revealed the existence of a satanic cult. Can you imagine? They actually spoke spiritual truth. Satanic cults exist. But when you look at the charging papers for the suspect, we are supposed to call him a suspect. He's identified as white. Although he's very clearly Hispanic. And I would say dark-skinned Hispanic. Oh, I didn't say his name, did I? Not gonna. People like this want their names set. They want the infamy. Not going to play. This technique of taking people who are not white and for purposes of demography, making them white is endemic. I can show you a hundred examples of where people who are clearly not white are being labeled as white to increase the likelihood that the FBI can make good on its promise that there is an army of white supremacists ready to seize the nation. There are white supremacists and there are black supremacists and there are Asian supremacists and there are Chinese supremacists and it's a sin issue to take that human pride, that good, hey, let's not hate thy neighbor, let's love thy neighbor. Let's love thy neighbor as thyself. The second of the great commandments the Lord Jesus was asked, what are the greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor like yourself. On these, all the other commandments hang. To take that and twist it into let's invent white supremacy where none exists, up to the point where the DOJ was actually incentivizing agents to find white supremacists. And sometimes that involved inventing them so that we can have the narrative that must be had. There's a group at the DOJ which has a great sounding title, the Community Relations Service. It's a great sounding title. And I bet that there are lawyers in that division of the DOJ who have a burden on their heart to do the right thing. Revolver.news looked into this group and their activities and came away with a different analysis. What they contend to do is to solve racial issues. What they contend to do is to come into circumstances where there's been a hate crime and to try to de-escalate. But it appears that they also produce for white families statements that absolve killers, abusers, if they're of a different race. And Revolver.News is... Careful to point out, yes, we are to forgive seven times, 77 times. Yes, we are to do that sincerely. If we can't do it sincerely, we're no better than the hypocrites that Jesus abhorred. He abhorred, but didn't abhor them, abhorred the hypocrisy. For God is love. Abhorred the act of hypocrisy. So this network... The very crime after which the Community Relations Service is named 
the death of Matthew Shepard should raise questions about the group's honesty. This is part of a video where staff describes their mission. The Community Relations Service, also known as CRS, is an agency within the Department of Justice. CRS was authorized under the 1964 Civil Rights Act and also the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act in 2009. CRS provides four services, facilitation, mediation, consultation, and training. We don't prosecute. We don't have any law enforcement authority. Also, we're neutral. We're third-party mediators. Our services are free. Um, and so we really are able to help communities when there is conflict and tension. We address conflict and crisis on the basis of race, national origin, and color, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, disabilities, and religion. CRS has 10 regional offices across the country and four field offices and a headquarters office in Washington, D.C. Any community that is experiencing a conflict or crisis, CRS can provide services there. We bring a set of expertise, a set of skills, a set of connections, and a brand name based on our work since the 1964 Civil Rights Act and the trust of communities for us to be able to do this work effectively and impartially. We bring people together who have differences and they're looking for a way to get to yes. Conflict is natural. You know, it's going to occur. And if conflict is managed, it's probably getting worked out most of the time. If it's unmanaged, people go to a dark place. Being able to implement the collective wisdom of the stakeholders and being receptive to the tools that they bring and the insights that they bring is very important. It's very, very good sounding. Very good sounding. Who was Matthew Shepard? Uh, Matthew Shepard, we're told, was beaten to death because he was a same-sex attracted man in a conservative state. Matthew Shepard was actually, actually murdered because of a drug deal. It was a liberal journalist who uncovered this fact, who sought to do more work on the Matthew Shepard story, who sought to expose it, and in studying it, came out and found, oh my goodness, this was not a hate crime. This was a drug-dealing crime. Does it make it less tragic? How do you have a community relations service that is founded on a lie? The people there, do they believe this lie? Do they believe that giving white people a script to read is a way towards actual reconciliation? We have to do this. We are, have been given the task of being ambassadors for Jesus. That is a huge task. And I'm sure that there are people in the CRS who have a burden to help, but are they really helping? And did this service held at Victory Atlanta Church help with the role we Christians have of being ambassadors of reconciliation in Christ? We only have time for a short clip. I encourage you to find the entire service to examine. I'm going to ask this young man. I need a young black man. Would you come up here on the stage? There's a reason I want a young black man up here because he represents some things that I'm gonna to talk to you about in just a moment. And so, um, why don't you take a seat right there, and uh, if you wouldn't mind just taking your shoes off and your socks too, thank you. 
and then I'm gonna wash your feet. Now, let me, let me say something before I wash his feet because this is important. This young man doesn't just represent black America. This young man represents all minorities for, for this moment right here. What most people don't realize about my race is my race has a hard time getting what's wrong in America. We have a challenge. The great slogan that was spoken at the beginning of this presidential race that got a person elected was, we're gonna make America great again. Gonna make America great again. When I first heard that, I, and everybody cheered, yay, I looked at the crowd and it was predominantly my race cheering for that statement. And I thought to myself, okay, if I'm gonna be a Christian, I need to filter that statement through the lens of other races, not just my own. And I'm thinking to myself, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I'm a black person, maybe a young black man in America, and I'm thinking through the lens, make America great again, I'm thinking, when was America great for you? When was there a season of time in the last 240 something years that America was great for you? And so, I mean, I think about it. In the beginning of our nation, 1700s, we brought a lot of people like this young man from Africa by the millions. In fact, history tells us that between 17 and 60 million, no one has the exact number, died in that transition. The great, greatest atrocity of one race in, the hum, in the, all of human history way bigger than the Holocaust. And we all know about the Holocaust. But for some reason, <laughs> this has never been really advertised too much because my race, we don't want to feel guilty. Can we stop that? And I'm not saying you should feel guilty because... You... So, with all due respect to the pastor, the white race did nothing to the black race. Individuals with lighter skin did something to individuals with darker skin and people with darker skin captured slaves and sold them to white people. And Native American tribes captured one another and captured white people and enslaved them. And it was a time of brutality. We have individual sin problems and Satan uses them to separate us from God. The white race did nothing. The black race did nothing. Individuals did it, pastor. To absolve an entire race and to incriminate an entire race. How, sir, does this help us in our reconciliation mission to pretend that all white people did something and all black people received something? How does that help, sir? We'll have to have that pastor on to talk about that. And to take the washing of feet and to wrap it in what I regard as a lie. I'd love to hear your feedback on that at AFR.net. Email the show. I'll ask Jonathan to make sure I get all of those. We'll come back with the Tower of Babbling and, believe it or not, a second feature. Speaking secular. This is The Disciples' View. I'm Todd Herman.
Disciples View. I'm Todd Herman, and we're going to call the show Disciples View, by the way, uh, because people have asked me about this new to the program. Why isn't it just the Todd Herman Show? Well, number one, I do a podcast called The Todd Herman Show. And number two, I do not want my name in front of God's name or in front of recognizing God. I, I told my team on my podcast uh, years ago, two years ago when we started this, hey, can I have this thing without my name? And they said, no, no, because, you know, people want to listen to you because you've been around for nearly a decade in, in media. Okay. And I really examined my heart. Is this, is this false uh, humility? And I'm, I'm pleased to say it's not. Uh, God has so, just been so miraculous at changing me that I, uh, I can genuinely say I would rather disappear. Uh, and have just him. And that's part of the process we go through. And man, it's a scary, scary process. So we'll talk about this a bit, about some ways I've seen this fruit in my life in this segment. We'll also do a feature that we call Speaking Secular. In fact, I'm going to break a great big radio rule. You never do two benchmark segments uh, benchmark uh, segments in one one talk set. This is called a talk set. You never do that. I'm going to break the rules. There's still part of me that's a rebel. Speaking secular is our way of showing how we can use pop culture to our advantage, how we can use it to have conversations with people. Sometimes it's movies, often it's music. In this case, it's going to be one of my favorite artists who is a man who I have deep, deep, deep fears about his soul. But we always begin segment three of A Disciple's View with honoring God who still, still shows constantly that human wisdom means nothing. And this is inspired by the Tower of Babel, the historical fact of that as written about in the Bible. And it is God placing the wise, the so-called wise, on tall towers of shaky, wet sand. We do this honoring God with the Tower of Babbling. You know about the biblical truth of the Tower of Babel. A Disciple's View presents... Who doesn't love a yellow school bus? Trans women are women, trans men are men, and non-binary people are non-binary. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. The Tower of Babbling. First up, we do three stories generally. First up is Representative Rosa DeLauro from Connecticut. Listen here to this brilliant point she makes. It gets cold in the wintertime in South Dakota, but the gentleman is happy to see 24,000 individuals not get energy assistance, low-income heating assistance. So there may be taking up a collection of hats and coats and gloves, etc., because they're not going to get their LIHEAP benefits in a cold climate. This is a purpled hair woman somewhere probably in her 80s lying about the disappearance of these funds. It's also a great argument for single-topic bills. 
This omnibus approach of taking everything and rolling it together is how scandals hide scams. There's no one she's talking about who wants to see people freeze to death. There are people who are looking at these programs saying, wait a minute, we're giving assistance to people who earn 120 grand a year? That's not assistance. That's frosting on top of frosting. We caught them. Newsbusters caught them in relation to the impeachment of figurehead Biden's second story in the Tower babbling. They're using the same exact talking points the Mockingbird media is as Representative Jasmine Crockett, a Democrat from Texas. On Because he's got 91 counts pending right now. But I will tell you what the president has been guilty of. He has unfortunately been guilty of loving his child unconditionally. And that is the only evidence that they have brought forward. And honestly, I hope and pray that my parents love me half as much as he loves his child. Until they find some evidence, we need to get back to the people's work, which means keeping this government open so that people don't go hungry in the streets. Yeah, there's going to be people going hungry, though none of those programs are shut down. In the case of a government shutdown, they just shift budgets. Yes, that's right. The way you love your son is to enable his drug habit. That's the loving thing to do to enable his meth addiction with more and more and more money. And the evidence, well, we've got the phone calls. We've got the deliverables. We've got people saying, thank you for getting that done. We've got people saying, here's exactly what we're paying for. We've got Biden on video talking with Hunter's business partner. "Ah, Maybe we can work something out. No, I mean, but that's to be expected. She's a Democrat in Congress after all. But should we really expect the Mockingbird media to use the same exact discussion points. The only thing the president is can be guilty of here is be- that's a, another congressman. being a father. He has unfortunately been guilty that's of loving his child unconditionally. And her. that is the only evidence that they have brought forward. The president loves his son. The only involvement on the part of the president of the United States was as a loving father. He loves his son, supports his son. Look, he's a he's a loving father. Hunter Biden was trying to promote an illusion of access to his father <laughs> for his own reasons. Hunter Biden was selling the illusion of access. The illusion of access. That's right. Hunter Biden has no actual access to his dad. Even though he said, my dad's sitting right here in the room with me. We want our money. Talking to a Chinese business, well, not business partner, bribe giver. It's the Tower of Babbling. Thank you, God, for putting these people on these tall towers of sand so we can observe. Uh, I don't think it's unfair to say that John Mellencamp stands on towers of sand. John Mellencamp is one of my very favorite artists, and, and I understand the controversy of playing secular music on this network. I, and I understand it, and I support it. The reason we do this feature, and we're probably going to create this as a regular, regular feature at a regular time, like twice a month, it's called Speaking Secular. It's because so often I've had opportunities to engage people during pop culture moments to engage them in conversation about what we're watching, such as movies, or so often music, because music lends itself to this. John Mellencamp, of course, once Johnny Cougar, his his radio, his record label pulled that on him. He came into the meeting and there's an album cover with this picture on it. And he says, it said, Johnny Cougar. He said, Johnny Cougar. He said, who's that? He goes, it's you. He goes, no, I'm not going to do that. They said, then you're not putting a record out. Eventually, he earned the right to give his name back, John Mellencamp. And he is a man, I think, soul-tortured. 
I think this from watching him, and I, I pray for him because he was raised in a good Christian home. And perhaps he knows the Lord, and I don't know it, and far be it for me to judge. I don't want to bear false witness. Great opportunity, though, to talk about the reality of God with a song that John wrote called Sometimes There's God. It's from his plain spoken album. This is a heartbreaking song to me, utterly heartbreaking. This is a man, I think, uh, seventh or eighth marriage. Still before he goes on stage, he sucks down an entire unfiltered cigarette, as you can tell with his voice. Sometimes it's God, someone else's eyes. Sometimes it's God. When you see the sunrise Sometimes you work Only in vain Sometimes there's very little Heartbreak and pain So he says sometimes there's God In another person's eyes Sometimes there's God's when you, God when you see a sunrise Sometimes there's very little Heartbreak and pain Sometimes your work all lay in vain John, there's always God. The reason that we have eyes is because God gave them to us to observe the world that he created for us. The sounds you produce from your mouth and from your instrument exist because God designed the physics to allow you to sing and us to hear. He created the technology to allow us to talk about your music. God's always there. He's the God of the valleys. He's the God of the mountaintops. John, it's you who's not there sometimes. Sometimes there's God. Sometimes there's not. No, John, there's never not. Sometimes it's God. Sometimes it's just not. A little redemption would help us a lot. Okay. Sometimes there's God. Sometimes there's just not. A little redemption would have helped us a lot. Ah, oh, Brother John. Is it seven or eight divorces for you? And gosh, I know there's logs in my eyes. And I'm talking about the specks in your own. You've had how many heart attacks? John, you have redemption every day. God is calling you to himself to become closer to him. The platform that you have, sir, that you've gained with the talent God gave you could be stewarded in a far different way for your kids and John, I believe your grandkids. And yeah, my heart still breaks when I hear your music. I don't know why it resonates with me so much. Sometimes God in the palm of your hand Someday Sometimes there's God in the palm of your hands. No, God does not reside in the palm of our hand. We can reside in his. And John, you can bring the kingdom of heaven within yourself. You do that by accepting the free gift of salvation, the redemption you just talked about. The the, the incredible power that comes with accepting God is so, so misunderstood, particularly the bringing of the Holy Spirit into us. The Holy Spirit is part of the the, the godly triune, the triune God. To bring the Holy Spirit into us is to ingest or to indwell 
part of the kingdom of heaven in us. And that indwelling, if we allow it, can change us in fundamental ways. And for me, it's been the changing of something that one of my big sin problems, one of my, one of my struggles uh, has been a temper. Now, they say that men, as they age, they mellow out. That's certainly true. Testosterone levels go down. I'm sure that's part of God's design. And still, I can struggle with temper. The change that the Holy Spirit has brought in me most is a calm wisdom. It's not mine. You know, our daughter is of an age where she is now stating, well, I'm an adult. And often she makes decisions that, well, sadden us. Uh, she went and got a piercing. Now, in reality, kids get piercings. I had one. Well, I was a stupid, long-haired, late-blooming teenager. Not late-blooming, but uh, living out teen years in my 20s. I went and got a stupid earring, largely because a girlfriend at the time said, oh, you should get an earring. So I did. I also had hair down the middle of my back, a ponytail. It looked ridiculous. It looked like a buffoon. So I know what that instinct is like. But to see your little girl pierced, it's not in her ear. Uh, it, it just broke my heart. It broke my wife's heart. And yeah, she's legally an adult. Now, me, if it were my spirit, my spirit would have said, hey, well, you live in my house. You're going to ask me about these things. You're going to come and ask permission while you live in my house. And she also got a tattoo. Now, my pastor, my view of our church is, look, these are not sin issues. And instead of that approach, the Holy Spirit spoken to me. And the approach that I took was all because of him. There was no big talk. There was no, hey, sit down. We need to have a discussion about this. You pick your battles, particularly with adult children. You pick your battles very carefully. Our responsibilities don't change. We still have to raise godly kids, even godly adult children. But our influence changes and our ability to force simply dropped in and said, hey, you know the piercing you got, we talked about that last night, how it hurts my heart to see. Those are really subtle. I can see how people find it pretty. It breaks my heart. One day you may have kids and you may understand how it will break your heart because you are perfect. You're designed in God's image. Your body is perfect. So here's my request. While you live in our home, I recognize you're legally an adult. While you live in our home, how about if we just have conversations about this? This isn't a sin issue. And it worries me because I want you to be able to rest in the fact that God counted every hair on your head and that he loves you and he considers you his masterpiece. That was the Holy Spirit in me. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
We speak because we believe. This is the Disciples' View. I'm Todd Herman. God be with you and yours. <laughs>